I want to welcome you to the 37th annual Oak Bible Reading Award Chapel. I've been around for a lot of these, not all of them, but many of them, and it's always a treat. This is an annual event and a tradition at Nazarene Bible College and, and one that we always enjoy. Some of you have not been to the Oak Bible Reading Award Chapel before. So you're in for a treat. Those of you who have, who have been here before know that uh, this is a wonderful celebration of the Word of God and its message to us. Probably the most important thing that can happen for us this evening is that we have an encounter with the Word of God. I would like for us to, uh, to pray together and then we'll we'll get started. I have a word to word of instruction. Maybe I ought to give that now. Uh, most of these readings, because of the nature of this, this uh, chapel, we, it would probably not be appropriate to applaud for the solo readings. We will have a group reading and that you might want to applaud for and that would be okay. But let's, uh, let's also not try to look up these passages in our Bible because you'll notice that we're, we're using excerpts or abridgments of many passages and it would be difficult for you to follow along. I think it would be easier for you just to listen. So concentrate on listening to the word tonight. Let's uh, stand for a word of prayer. Lord, we know you as the author of these ancient words. We thank you for them. Words of hope, words of life, words of instruction to us, words of celebration. And so we voice these words tonight from our hearts, through our voices. We ask that you meet with us, be with each reader as they interpret your word, give them strength, and give them awareness and alertness and take their preparation and bless it to our hearing. May we honor you in all that we do tonight. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You will notice on the program and we will proceed as it shows that um, we have a group reading at the beginning. We're calling it Reader's Theater. Some of you are familiar with Reader's Theater. Some of you may not be. This is a new feature on the, on the program. We have not done this before. And so I thought maybe I should make a few statements about that. Uh, it is different than conventional theater production. So we will not be acting on the stage. You will not see costumes. We will simply be reading. So it is a reading done by a group of people. It breaks the passage of scripture into narration and into characterizations. It gives different readers particular characters to interpret vocally. The oral interpreter does not actually become the character but skillfully suggests the character through their voices. The idea is to take the location of the drama off of the stage and place it in your imagination. So we need your help. This is sometimes called the theater of the mind. So we need your minds to be engaged. It is not stage-centered, it is audience-centered. It is not actor-centered, it is idea-centered. 
The only movement that you will notice tonight in the group reading, the Reader's Theater, is the positioning on the stage. If the character is involved in this scene of the reading, they will be facing you, reading into a microphone. If they are not involved, they will turn their back to you. So that is just to help you understand that they're not rejecting you, they're just not involved. I hope you will enjoy this new feature on our uh, Oak program and uh, as well as as well as enjoying the individual solo readers. So if the cast will come, we will start with our reading of John 9. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and washed. So I went and washed, and then I came home seeing. Where is this man? I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. 
He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. One day the father said these words to his son. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver, and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. 
for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. My son, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be life for you and ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. Contained in the passage that I'll be reading tonight are three miracles of um, are three miracles of release. The first miracle is the release from the grip of evil. The second miracle is the release from the cruelty of prison. And the third release is the release from eternal darkness. So as I read this powerful passage, I invite you to reflect back on your own experience of divine release. Once, when we are going to the place of prayer, we are met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews who are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, 
there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken at once. All the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds and immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. The call of God is a powerful thing. It's something most of us here at NBC can relate with. God calls, and then we struggle with what to do next. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, God gave Moses this assurance. He says, I will be with you. So listen to God and heed his call. While Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush and called to him, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have come down to rescue them from the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? Now God said, I will be with you. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and they and they say, the Lord, the God of our fathers, has not sent you to uh, The God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God answered Moses, I am who I am. This is what you should tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses answered, what if they not believe me, or listen to me, or say that God did not appear to you? The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. 
So Moses reached out. And it turned back into a staff in his hand. The Lord said, this is, a, this is so they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. When he took it out, it was leprous, like snow. Now, put your hand back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was restored, like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you, or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. Moses said to God, O oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or dumb? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And he said, What about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know that he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you. It will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs. Isaiah 40 is about hope. Hope in the one who is tender enough to comfort each in his arms and strong enough to hold the world in his hands. There is no comparison. It is a privilege to serve our all-magnificent God. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. 
See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? To whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground, than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host, one by one, and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.
There's a time when we as believers in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior look forward to. It is a time when we will be able to cast our crowns at the feet of our Lord and say, worthy is the Lamb. John gives us a brief glimpse in his divine revelation. We see heaven and what we get to do in that day with our Lord. I, John, was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching to his feet. His head and his hair were like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire and his face like the sun shining in all of its strength. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet like a dead man. Then he placed his right hand on me saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. After these things I looked, and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately, I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon those thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. In the center and around the throne, four living creatures. Day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy! is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who was, and who is, and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. They were around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They were saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. I then heard every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever endeavor. The four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Thank you, Father, for 
the power of your word, the opportunity we have to speak your word with power. In these moments, we dedicate ourselves to honoring you with our voices. We cry, holy is the Lord. Go with us now as we go back to class and may our minds savor these moments. In your name we pray, amen.